0: gonna be reading out of uh, Hosea chapter 10 and Tim if you could play that for me
1: chapter 10 Israel is an empty vine he bringeth forth fruit unto himself according to the multitude of his fruit he hath increased the altars according to the goodness of his land they have made goodly images their heart is divided now shall they be found faulty he shall break down their altars he shall spoil their images for now they shall say, We have no king because we feared not the Lord. What then should a king do to us? They have spoken words, swearing falsely and making a covenant. Thus judgment springeth up as hemlock in the furrows of the field. The inhabitants of Samaria shall fear because of the calves of Bethaven, for the people thereof shall mourn over it, and the priests thereof that rejoiced on it, for the glory thereof, because it is departed from it. It shall be also carried unto Assyria for a present to king Jerob. Ephraim shall receive shame, and Israel shall be ashamed of his own counsel. As for Samaria, her king is cut off as the foam upon the water. The high places also of Aben, the sin of Israel, shall be destroyed. The thorn and the thistle shall come up on their altars, and they shall say to the mountains, Cover us, and to the hills, Fall on us. O Israel, thou hast sinned from the days of Gibeah. There they stood. The battle in Gibeah against the children of iniquity did not overtake them. It is in my desire that I should chastise them, and the people shall be gathered against them when they shall bind themselves in their two furrows. And Ephraim is as an heifer that is taught, and loveth to tread out the corn. But I passed over upon her fair neck. I will make Ephraim to ride. Judah shall plough, and Jacob shall break his clods. So to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy." Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Ye have ploughed wickedness, ye have reaped iniquity. Ye have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in thy way, in the multitude of thy mighty men. Therefore shall a tumult arise among thy people, and all thy fortresses shall be spoiled, as Shalman spoiled Beth Arbel in the day of battle. The mother was dashed in pieces upon her children. So shall Bethel do unto you because of your great wickedness. In the morning shall the king of Israel utterly be cut off. Chapter 10.
0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you uh, for, that it is so plain and to show us what we need to know. The Bible is just, it is, uh, we are able to apply it just as much uh, today as they were when, when it was written. And so, we ask that this morning, as we read your word, that we not just be hearers of it, but we be uh, doers of it as well. God bless your word. May it fall upon fertile soil, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the things I want us to, you know, uh, we're in our essential series, and this is the last of our essential series, and we'll start, I have a couple other uh, series that are in my mind. I'm trying to figure out which ones I want to do first. And so, I, I just, but this morning, we're going to be talking about, it's always the right time to pray. Most of the time, people think that they have to be in a certain position. I told you before, when I was newly saved, I thought that the Lord could only hear me in a certain spot on the carpet in a youth building. That that was the spot where He heard me when I got saved, and so that's the only spot that He can, you know, actually hear me. And a lot of it had to do with my upbringing, you know, of where I you know, where I came from, as far as my background. Is that you know, obviously, you had to be at church in order to, you know, for the Lord to hear you. But the thing is that the Lord will hear us anywhere and everywhere that we are at. If we are a believer in Jesus Christ, He will hear us. The only prayer, the only prayer that the Lord uh, the Lord will answer from a, a a heathen, a non-believer, is the prayer to receive Him as Lord and Savior. Then after that, He hears your prayers. You know that? So you have, oftentimes, you know, you have those TV shows, you know, the person doesn't know the Lord at all. They're over there praying and everything else. The Lord does not hear that prayer. He doesn't. I mean, the Bible talks about that he does not hear the prayer of the wicked. He doesn't. And so, the part of the uh, the part of scripture uh, in Hosea chapter 10 I want to focus on is uh, verse 12 where it says, "So to yourselves in righteousness reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you." Now, this is a command of the Lord because if as we saw in chapter 10, he is rebuking Israel. He is rebuking God's people. He is telling them, you know what, you've done all these things, and so what you need to do, it's time to seek the Lord. You need to break up that fallow ground. You need to sow and you need to, it's time to seek him until God rain righteousness upon you. We know that obviously the, you know, uh, down here, it, you know, uh, there's farmland, and so if there's ever a drought, it's like one of the worst things ever. Why? Because the ground will get really, really, really hard, and nothing can grow. And so, what does he tell you? He says, he, "You know, he says sow, reap, and he says break up that fallow ground until basically until rain comes, because it's going to come." And that's what we need to realize uh, in this: is you know that it is time to seek the Lord. I remember. I don't know about you, but I remember. How many of you remember Y two K? 21 years ago, Y2K was going on. People were freaking out, and the biggest thing was, is because computers didn't necessarily understand the flipping over of the of the clock on there, and they're afraid that the world systems were just going to shut down. Well, I can tell you, obviously, 21 years later, I don't think that that's you know that's happened because we're still here. That was that was a lot of times where most of the people thought that the Lord was going to return because there was all this turmoil, all these things, and the thing is, is that as we go. As we keep on drawing closer and closer to the Lord's coming, we see this more and more. Where where, what happens? News media, people in general, will sit there and try and get you anxious and on edge and all these kind of things. But the thing is is that that was when the world was supposed to end and the churches were praying fervently. I remember there was prayer meetings saying, oh, we got this Y2K thing going on. And it may not have happened down here, but where I was, you know, where I was going to church, people were praying fervently because it was Y2K. That was the biggest, most horrendous thing that could happen. But you know what? Like I said, it, it, Y2K has come and gone now, 21 years later. But how many of you know that it's always a good time to pray, no matter what time it is? Amen. So the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter five, verse 17, it says, "Pray without ceasing." The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. These are these are things that oftentimes, as believers, we don't do. I don't know if it's because we don't believe that the Lord hears us or not, or if it's because we're not truly saved and we think that, well, you know what, that's a, you know, kind of a fairy tale that you know, my grandparents told me or my parents told me or my friends told me about. They, they don't, you know, so you're not truly saved, so you're, you're going off of somebody else's faith. You're saying, well, I, I haven't seen God answer a prayer. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11 says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. When we seek the Lord, when we pray, that prayer, so many times people make prayer out, out to be something that it's not. Prayer is simple communication with God. You go to him, you bring re- your request before him, and one of the easiest ways to pray is to pray his word. You be- begin to memorize his word. It's not because, and sometimes people have this idea or this mindset that, when they pray God's word, like we're trying to remind him of what his word says, no, it's a reminder for us what he's already said. Yeah. It's not the fact of we're trying to remind him, like God, did you forget what you said? I mean, I, I know that I came, you know, came to you before, but I think you forgot. No, even when we see that in scripture, when you see like King David or Jeremiah saying, "Lord, remember when you said," "Lord, or remember," it's not because they're reminding themselves more than they are reminding the Lord, because the Lord, the Lord doesn't forget he knows who you are he knows where you're at amen and he hears your prayer there's been many a times you know where um well let's just take this last wednesday miss mary and i have been talking about the fact that we we have been going out and over the past couple weeks for some odd reason and i'm just going to be honest when we went out we didn't pray we just went out and we shared and we hadn't seen anybody saved over the past couple weeks and we were just sitting there going you know and we're just talking and said you know what we haven't prayed. So this past Wednesday with Doug and Rose, we said, you know what, let's pray. You know, we haven't done it. You know, we are, and everybody's like, yeah, we haven't. It was just the fact, it, was, it wasn't like purposeful. It was just the fact that we forgot. And you're like, well, great, you're a pastor and you forgot to pray before you were going out telling people about Jesus. You know, I'm human too. But we said, you know what, we, we, in our prayer, we said, Lord, give us at least one, if not more. Did not the Lord answer that prayer? we got one and brother doug goes well maybe next time we need to pray for like ten i said well amen well just go ahead and do that but just say you know you at least want one person to getting, uh, getting saved and the lord is always faithful to send you to that one and so that's one of those things that we need to realize is that you know what the lord answers oftentimes we miss it we think it's circumstantial we think it's oh, just by happenstance that happened no the lord hears you when you pray if you're a believer in jesus christ the lord hears you when you pray When we pray to the Lord, it brings everything into proper focus. Everything. Because you know why? Because we take it to the one that can actually do something about it. Instead of us worrying about it, or getting anxious about it, or having anxiety about it. We bring it to the one that can actually take care of it. What does the Bible say? Cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because he, what? Cares for you. And so there are times, however, like I said, however, there are times when we realize that we have not been praying as we should. There are times when we wake up to the fact that we are not seeking God as we should. There are times when we sense a need for God and we go to Him in prayer. Now realize, just because you, know, just because you, don't, you don't feel like you've been praying like you should does not mean that you somehow like you lost your salvation in that entire thing. It's just the fact that there's times where you don't, like I've said before, you don't feel like you're saved. But you know what, we don't go by our, our, our feelings. We go by what God's Word says. We don't go by, I don't feel like I'm saved. I don't, I don't have that glowing feeling like I used to have. We go by what God's Word says. And that's what we need to realize. And by the way, you know what, it is a proud, wicked person who says that they don't feel the need to seek God. If we say, I don't need God, or I don't feel you know, the need to, to, it is a wicked and proud person. You say, how can you say that? Well, I'm not saying it's the Word of God. Uh, psalm chapter 10 verse 4 says the wicked through the pride of co- his countenance will not seek after God God is not in all his thoughts so here's the thing is that if we if, if we are saying that we are a believer and somehow or another say we don't need to pray we don't need God we don't want then I would truly you know say you know what you're probably not saved because we always need Him. amen continually we need Him. so let me let me mention, you know, some, uh, sometimes it, in your life during which you should be sure to seek, the, uh, seek God. I'm going to give you seven times in your life where you should be sure, you should be sure to seek him. And if you're facing uh, these times and your prayer life is not what it should be, I call and I ask that you seek God in prayer today. I say today because, you know what, it's not something that we can always keep putting off. Because if we say, well, I'll just go ahead and do it tomorrow, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It might not happen the next day or the next day because we will say, you know what? Well, I just don't really need to. I think we're a generation mostly of procrastinators. And I say that to myself because there's a lot of times where there's something that I will do and that I know that I need to do, and what do I tell myself? I can do that, what, tomorrow? Or I can do that later today. But I need to do it now. I need to seek him today. So number one, the first one is you need to seek him in times of delight. You say, well, why, why would I do that? If I'm if I have a time of delight, everything is going well. Everything is going good. Why should I pray? Because obviously everything is going well. First Chronicles chapter uh, 22 verse 17 through 19 says, David also commanded all the princes of Israel to help Solomon his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you, and hath He not given you rest on every side, for He hath given the inhabitants of the land into mine hand, and the land is subdued be, uh, before the Lord and before his people. Now, set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God, arise therefore and build the, uh, the sanctuary, the sanctuary of the Lord God, to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God into the house that uh, that it is to be built to the name of the Lord. So he's telling us in this, you know what, everything is going your way, but you still need to seek him. We need to seek him in good times and we need to seek him in bad times, right? No matter what the circumstance is, no matter how we're feeling, you know, I know that there's times where you know it seems like some people you know pray more when they're sick than they do when they're feeling well. But of the thing is, is that when we feel the pre- when the presence of God is felt, we need to seek Him even more so, Amen. Like this morning, we're in a time of worship, and some of you felt the presence of the Lord, and some of you just. just sit there at that point and go, oh, this is good, and just just let it be right there. No, the Bible says that you're supposed to seek him more. Seek him more. Why? Because you know what? You're going to find him. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says if you seek him, you will find him. This is what is meant when he said, is not the Lord your God with you? I mean, think about that. The God of the universe, the Lord, the creator of everything, is with you. If you're a believer in Christ, in Jesus Christ, God is with you. He even goes on to say um, that he says, And hath not he given you rest on every side? So he goes before you, he's behind you, he's beside you, he's with you. His peace uh, surrounds you. And also when prosperity comes to you, and this is one of those things that we need to realize. Prosperity. How many of you know that prosperity is not just money? We equate it with money, saying that person is really prosperous because they have like 15 you know boats and everything else and and all that. But prosperity is the fact of you know what when I'm when I'm feeling well, when I'm in good health, that's prosperity. When we're able to provide food for our families, that's prosperity. Those are times where we know. When we're able to go help somebody and bless somebody, why? Because we're prosperous. Because we want to go bless somebody. It says the land is subdued before the Lord and before His people. Why? Because prosperity had come. We we cannot forget God when things are going well. We can't. When things are going well, we need to seek Him more. The second time, uh, the second time that we need to. Uh, seek Him. We need to seek Him in times of difficulty. God spoke of of times when the Israelites would be in captivity. You know what that is when they say in captivity? They would be in slavery. They would be made to do things that they didn't want to do. But He tells them to seek Him in times of difficulty. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 29 says, but if from thence uh, thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find Him That thou shalt seek him with all all thine heart and with all thy soul. He says, you know what? If you seek me, you're going to find me. You know how you do it? When you seek him with all of your heart and with all your soul. That's what he means. When struggles come, seek him. When stumbling blocks come, seek him. So many times people give up when they have a hard time. When something in their life is not going right, things are not going the way that they thought things were going to go, they give up. And they just kind of sit in the corner and kind of wallow in self-pity saying, you know what, woe is me. But God said, you know what, seek me in times of difficulty. Seek me with all your heart. Because you know what, if you seek me, you'll find me. And what happens, what happens when you seek him with all your heart and all your soul? What's going to happen? He's going to bring you peace. That perfect peace that surpasses all understanding. Why? Because our mind is stayed upon him. So we seek him in times of difficulty. Don't quit. Seek him. I've seen, I've seen Christians have more fight in them when they're playing sports than they do in their prayer life. They're more willing to give up their families than they are to seek the Lord. But you know what? Try to take away their boat, their car, or anything else, they'll fight tooth and nail. That's backwards, isn't it? Because, you know what, you're supposed to be seeking the Lord, why? To, to not give up on your family. You, you seek the Lord to, to have peace and, and to have Him at the center of your life. You know, the car, the boat, all that kind of stuff, that's material stuff. You can't take it with you. Remember the old edge? You know, the, the person that dies with the most things still dies? I mean, I, I don't know if I said it verbatim like exactly what it is, but the thing is, is that Go seek the Lord after those things that are important. You say, well, my boat's important. Is it more important than your family? Is it more important than yourself? Is it more important than eternity? Is it more important, you know, than sharing the gospel with somebody? No. The world right now is so focused on everything that they can have. I mean, I know because of being an iPhone user for the past five, seven years, or however long it is, that in July, right around August, a new iPhone's going to get revealed. I know this. Why? Because they send you emails. And after a while you get to know it, like, oh, you know what, they're, they just, they're getting ready to you know, re- uh, you know, release the new iOS update, it's all going to get, you know, and you get all, you get excited about those little things, oh, well now I'll be able to multitask. I couldn't multitask beforehand, so it's not going to help me on a phone, but we get excited about those things. Like I said, I know a launch of a new iPhone's coming in July. And usually it comes out in, I'll tell you, it usually comes out in September or October. That's when it's launched. And some of you are shaking your head because you know this. But the thing is, is that how many of us know Scripture? We know these things, but the Bible says that we're supposed to seek Him. Why? Because we want to know Him. Do you want to know Him? Number three, seek Him in times of discouragement, disaster, desolation, danger, and disappointment. There's a lot of D's in there. We are to seek him in times of discouragement, disaster, desolation, danger, and disappointment. Second Chronicles chapter twenty says this, starting at verse one. It came to pass after, after this also, but that the, uh, the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them uh, others uh, other besides the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat uh, to battle. Excuse me. Then there came a sum that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond uh, the sea on the other side of Syria. And behold, uh, they be in Hesion Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. Sorry, Judah. In this moment, uh, if you know uh, Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat is one of the ones you know, trying to bring back the word of God to Israel. He's trying to bring it back, but all of the enemies are coming in at once. And there's times in your life where you're going to sit there and you're going to feel like all of your enemies are coming in and attacking you at once. It's going to happen. And the thing is, is that what we need to do is that, we, obviously, like I said, we need to seek him. What does he say? He says, Jehoshaphat, uh, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all uh, Judah. So here's the thing. Oftentimes, at when we when we have a family member, you know, pass away, that's a, a time of discouragement, disaster, you know, disappointment. We can sit there and feel all those things all at once. But the thing is, the Bible says that we are to seek Him in those moments. Because I've seen people, you know, at funerals give their life to the Lord. Because why? Because it brings eternity into perspective. They may not think about eternity while they're at work. They may not think about eternity at the grocery store. They may not think about it when you're talking to them on the phone. But you have a funeral of a loved one, and all of a sudden, uh, eternity is right there. I feel like, I, I fear that for believers, that when that opportunity is there at a funeral, and they have a person that is asking them all the questions, basically without coming out and saying, what must I do to be saved? They miss it. Because of the thing is, is that they don't want to seek the Lord at that moment. And the thing is, is what greater time uh, for them to seek him? When you have, you know, issues in your family, you have, you know, things going on with your children, or maybe there's a divorce happening, or there's some sort of medical, uh, med- uh, yeah, medical uh, calamity, or you lost your job, seek him. You know why? Because he's the one who could take every, uh, care of every single one of those situations. We try to deal with it in saying, I got this. I you know God thank you for all the times that you've helped me but I got this one. I don't know about you but I find out I find out more and more as I give as I seek you know God more I don't got it. And I need him to help me in those times. Number 4. Seek him in times of dedication. Ezra chapter 6 verse 21 says, "And the children of Israel which were uh, come out again out of which were come again out of captivity, and all such as had separated themselves from the filthiness of the heathen of the land to seek the Lord God of, uh, Lord God of Israel and did eat. In times of, of dedication, we need, to, uh, we need to seek him. We need to separate ourselves unto him. The children of Israel sought God at the dedication of the house of God, under the rule of King Darius. King Darius wasn't necessarily the most godly of kings that, you know, that Israel had, but they said, you know what, this is the house of God, we are gonna, we are dedicating. And here's the thing, we, we dedicate you know, babies, don't we? We dedicate them to the Lord. And those are the times that we need to seek the Lord, or the times we say, you know what, I, I dedicate myself to reading God's word, I dedicate myself to going to church, I dedicate myself to going to, these are times in our life, in those times of dedication we need to seek the Lord. When we are seeking, uh, when we are seeking the will of God, and we say, "You know what? I'm going to dedicate myself to the will of God," we need to seek Him. When we are dedicating ourselves to the work of God, we need to seek Him. When we are dedicating ourselves to the witness of God, we need to seek Him. When we are dedicating ourselves to Him and what we need, we need to seek Him. We cannot just decide one day, "I'm going to," you know, I'm dedicating it, and we don't even seek His wisdom. Because all we're going to do is just basically be, uh, you know, beating our head against a brick wall. Because he's the one that can help us. In this it's always the right time to pray. You know that? It's always the right time. You say, well, I can't do it at work. Yes, you can. Because he knows your thoughts. You know, I can't do it around family. Yes, because he knows your thoughts. Sometimes you just need to get away and go pray. Because how many of you know at, at family gatherings, like Christmas, Thanksgiving, family reunions, there you know that there's going to be one relative, one, at least one, that is going to irritate you? Or am I the only one that has family members that I'm like, there's going to be somebody that's going to irritate me today? I know it. But the thing is, is that if we sit there and we uh, dedicate our, uh, ourselves to the will of God, the work of God, and the witness of God, they're not going to annoy us. We're going to be able to you know, share that or be able to take that situation and be able to share the gospel with them. Number five, we need to seek him in times of decision. Amen. We need to seek him in times of decision. Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13 says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was a day, he called unto uh, unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, of wh- uh, whom also, he named apostles. Jesus is praying and seeking God for a decision about who he's going to have to be his closest. We need to have those people in our life that we pray and we seek and we say, you know what? I need to pray and find out who's going to be the closest to me. Just because a person's a friend of yours does not mean that they are the most godly influence in your life. I thought I was going to get an amen on that one. Maybe i say it again. Just because you have friends that seem really, really good and and, and you get along with them really well and, and they seem to have the same hobbies as you, does not mean that they are the best for you as far as being a believer in Christ to encourage you. There it is. I know my wife. My wife has had two ladies in her life basically since she was what age nine, and they're still friends. Why? Because well, I, I believe it's a, you know a thing of God. But the thing is, is that they also. Uh, They encourage each other. I hear them on the phone. I'm not eavesdropping. I could just, they're in the same room. But they encourage each other in the Lord. If one of them's having a downtime, the other one's, you know, uplifting the other one. Why? Because she's choosing who she's going to be close to. You need to have people in your life that you are close to, that you're able to share everything with in the Lord, and not a person that's not a believer. Because a a person that's not a believer in Jesus Christ is not going to understand what you're going through. They won't. They can't understand the things of God. The Bible says that they're spiritually discerned. They can't understand, they can't comprehend those things. So if your best friend is a non-believer and you're sharing everything with them, they're not going to give you godly wisdom. They're not going to. You say, well, pastor, that's kind of mean. No, the Bible says not to be unequally yoked. And most of the time when I was a a new believer, they would always say, well, that was for like when you're dating somebody. No, that goes in every area of your life. It's not just for who you're dating or who you're, you know, seeking to be your spouse, it's also for who your friends are, you know, those who are closest to you. And even out of these 12, there was only three that Jesus kept really, really close to him. Peter, James, and John. He kept those ones the closest to him. The most intimate experiences that Jesus ever had, he takes them with him. He leaves the other nine. And we oftentimes think that we can go to somebody just because, you know, they're friends with us or whatever. They don't go to church, you know, they're not saved or whatever. We think that they're going to give us godly wisdom. No, they're going to go to some, you know, they're going to go on to some TV show or whatever, or whatever seems good to them or seems right in their own eyes. We need to have those in our life that are going to encourage us and uplift us in those times of struggle. And we need to be that same person back to them saying, you know what? If you're struggling, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to lift you up. We need to have that relationship. We need to have those relationships in our lives. And if we don't have those, it's going to be a very lonely Christian walk that we have. And here's one of the biggest lies that you'll you'll ever find out. I can't be that close to them because they already have all these other people that they need to take care of. I don't want to worry them with my issues. And you never talk to the person. and never ask them, say, hey, can you help me? It's one of the worst things to be out on an island all by yourself thinking that you're all alone and, it's, and that you're the only person that's going through that. You need to have that person in your life that is going to encourage you. And here, here's the other thing. And some, here's the thing it cannot always be your spouse and it cannot always be your parents. You know why? Because there are some things that you're going to go through in life that your spouse or your parents are not going to understand. But that that believer in Jesus Christ is going to know and say, you know what, here's some wisdom. And you know what, here's the other part of it, is that you have a pastor that wants to pray for you and, and will lift you up in prayer. I may not understand it. There's deacons in here that may not understand it, but we're here to pray for you. There are believers in this room that say, "I may not understand everything you're going through," and there may be one, ones in this room that have went through almost the exact same thing as you, and, and can help lead you out. Don't be on an island. That's not in my notes. That's just all free right there. But it's all good. That's all good. You know, good. You know, good advice is that you need to have people in your life that are going to help you, encourage you, and lift you up. And they're going to uh, they're going to pray and seek. Uh, the Lord with you while you're going through those things do you realize that a person doesn't need to necessarily know everything in your life but yet can still pray for you right. they don't need to know every little utter detail in your life you're going to say you know what i'm going through a hard time can you pray for me and they'll say yes you know how many times that i i, I have ones in my life where i'll just set a text saying struggling and they'll say you know, text back praying for you that's what you need in your life I mean, obviously, I, you know, I'll try and call them later on and let them, you know, maybe know, you know, a little bit of what's going on. But I just sit there and text, and I know, you know, Alicia does the same thing, you know, uh, you know, with her friends. You know, they're going to let her and say, you know, I'm really struggling, I'm really having a hard time right now. Because you say, well, why can't I share everything with your spouse? There's a reason why they call, you know, husband, wife, opposite sexes. Because here's the thing. Men don't always understand what a woman's going through. You know how many times my wife says, I want you to just listen to me instead of trying to fix it? And the same thing, women don't always understand what's going on, you know, with men. It it works both ways, and you need that person in your life that is going to be able to pray for you, lift you up, and encourage you. So we need to seek him in times of decision about our friends, those that are close to you. Also about a spouse. You don't know how many people, you know, have said, well, they said that they went to church, or they said that they would go to me, or they went to church with me a couple times. No, you need a Bible-believing Christian if you're a believer in Christ. Because you know why? Because later on, you're going to find yourself down the road of, you know, of divorce, and you say, how did I ever get here? It was that, with that decision that you decided that you, this person was hot. Yes, I use that word hot. And not temperature-wise, because like, it's in the middle of, you know, it's a boot hill in Missouri, and I'm like frying up here right now. Because people go, well, well, that person's hot, they look good, or, you know, oh, man, I'll tell you. And the thing is, is that they have totally different, you know, ideas in mind. And the thing is, is that all of a sudden you're divorced and you're going, how did this happen? It's because a person has, you have nothing in common with them. You may have liked video games, but you know what, video games fade. Think about this. After you have children and they're out of the house, you have to spend the rest of your life with this person. You might as well, you know, love somebody that actually has some sort of interest where you're able to actually talk to them. This is all free advice, I'm telling you. I should write some of this stuff down. About money. Decisions of money. Most people, when they go out and they buy stuff, they don't ever you know, seek the Lord about what they're buying. I'm not saying you've got to seek the Lord about buying a pack of gum. I'm saying about you know, a big decision, like if you're going to buy a house, you're going to buy a car, you're going to buy those kind of things. Or whether or not you're going to lend, some, you know, lend somebody some money about you know, praying and seeking them. Because you know what? how many times you know, have relationships been Messed up because of you lending out money to somebody else that you should have never lent money out to. But if you would have sought the Lord, the Lord would have told you. About your ministry. You say, I don't have a ministry. I'm only, I just sit here in the pew. I don't. No, you're a believer in Christ. You have a ministry. And you know who your first ministry is to? Is it to the local church? One thing, the first one is to the Lord. That's your ministry. You're supposed to minister to the Lord. And the next one is to your family. If you have a, if you have a spouse, it's to your spouse. Then your family. And then the church is like number four or five down the list. And here's the thing: your ministry is all right. I'm going to say this, because some people will say, "Well, I just feel God wherever I go, so I'm just going to go." And that's an excuse to go, you know, to skip church during the summer. Obviously, you're here, so you're not skipping. But people will you'll know, sit there and say, "You know what? I don't know. I'm not saying you got to be at church every single Sunday during the church, you know, during, you know, during summer, because you know what? It's okay to take a vacation." Yes, a pastor said that. It's okay to have a vacation. You need downtime. You need time away you know, from work and sometimes from that family member that causes you annoyance. You need that you know, downtime away, but the thing is is that if God is you know, number one and you know, first and foremost in your life, the thing is all the other ministry, and all those other situations are going to come into alignment. Everything else is going to work well. So in your ministry, when you're out there, and you, your number one priority is for your family to come to the Lord that's your number one priority that's why I commend people like you know Miss Brenda who you know the girls don't have godly parents but she says you know what I don't care I'm gonna bring them to church I want them to know about the Lord same thing with Miss Karen over here Miss Karen wasn't uh, uh, you know she said you know what I'm gonna bring you know KK I'm gonna bring you know you know the girls here because why because they need to know about the Lord they can make excuses there's other ones in here you know that, that I can go through A myriad of things. I mean, I think I could, here, I'll even talk about, you know, most recently. Last night there was a a demolition derby, so if you see a couple people in this room that are a little tired, like myself, (laughs) because it was way past my bed to that time last night. But the thing is, is like, I I think, you know, we went to go see, you know, Brother Eric in the back. He's out there crashing cars. He didn't get home until 3 o'clock in the morning, but you know what? He decided that he was going to be here this morning. Why? Because Church, God, Jesus is important. He wants to be an example to his family. Same thing with, you know, you know chastity, too. Yeah, I'll throw her in there, too. But she wasn't crashing cars, so. But, that, you know, that's the thing is, is what we prioritize, what we, you know, in those times of decision, because Eric could have said, you know what, I'm really, really tired this morning. I think I'm going to stay home. But he didn't. You could have said, Ms. Brennan said, you know what, yeah, they're my grandkids, but they're not really my, you know, It's more my kids responsibility to take care of them same thing with miss karen but no they said you know what we are going to go ahead and we are going to make sure that we are in church we're showing them like i said there's other ones i can go in here but i'll i'll be here until the time and i'm not done yet number six seek him in times of development what am i what do i mean by development in your youth if you are younger Seek him, and, uh, seek him while you're young. Don't sit there and say, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll begin to seek him when I get married or when I have kids or when I do all this. Seek him while you're young. Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 3 says, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, this is speaking of, uh, of Josiah, it says, while he, uh, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. That's King David. And in the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. It's important it says, while he was yet young, he began to seek, to, uh, seek after the God of uh, David, his father. Josiah, many, uh, many believe that Josiah at this time was only 16 years old. Josiah was 16 years old and he was king. And yet, he decided at that moment, you know, while he was yet young, that he was going to seek after why? Because David was an example to him; his father was an example to him. And so, he, that's when he began to seek the Lord. So, we need to seek the Lord in our childhood. We need to seek the Lord again in our companions, those we're with, and seek the Lord in what college or career we're going to have. We need to seek those, you know, because here's a here's a heart, uh, the hard reality and stuff. Obviously, you know, when a kid, you know, when our children become 18, they have that idea in their mind that they're either going to go pursue a career or they're going to go off to college. And we're trusting God in that moment, you know, to keep them safe. But here's the thing. For, the, for our kids, our kids need to seek the Lord about where to go. Because sending your you know, child off into the you know, career world or the college world can be a very, very such a, uh, scary situation. It's like, you know, you almost feel like you're just throwing your child to the wolves. And we need, if we could teach our children and our children will seek the Lord while they're yet young, they are more, than, uh, more they're going to be seeking the Lord and following him in those times. And for the kids that are, in, you know, that are here, teen, I say kids, teenagers that are in this room, this is what I want to tell you. Listen to your parents that God gave you. Listen to your grandparents that God gave you. You know why? Because as old and as ancient as you think that they are, they actually have wisdom and they actually have gone through quite a few things and actually can help you. You also need to listen to the pastor uh, pastor that God gave you or the deacons God gave you because we've gone through things we can help you in those situations. But here's the thing, but most of all, seek God. God. Don't sit there and worry about what your friends tell you. Don't sit there, and, you know, unless your friends dictate and say, you know what, are you going to be one of those Christians? So i out flat out. Yes, I am going to be one of those Christians. I am going to, be, you know, I'm to, I am going to seek God in everything that I do. And number seven, seek him in times of defilement. When I say in defilement is that we are going to seek him in times where we mess up. First John, uh, First John uh, chapter one verse nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those times where we sin, where we mess up, you know, those in those situations, what does it say? It says, confess your sins. Why? Because he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. Seek him. The, the reason why he tells us this, because oftentimes when we mess up, we that God is usually the last person we go to. Because we feel like, oh, you know, I've separated myself from God. He's going to be mad. He's going to be angry. No, he wants you to seek him. He wants you to come back to him. Isaiah chapter 55, verses uh, 6 through 7 says this. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call uh, ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous uh, man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him. And to to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. What does it say? It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek him, and he will find you. What's going to happen? When you do that, when you return to him from that time, he is going to have mercy upon you, and he is going to abundantly pardon. That means he's he's going to forgive you greatly. He will do it. So in those times of defilement, confess your sins. Believe that God... Believe in God's cleansing. His word says that he is faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Consecrate yourselves. Separate yourself from what caused that issue. If, if television's giving you an issue, separate yourself from television. If your computer is causing you a problem, separate yourself from the computer. If a person's causing you a problem, separate yourself from that person, unless you're married to them, and then you need to talk it out. Because far too many people nowadays think that you know divorce is an option in their in their Bible of believers. There's a reason why God hates divorce. Is because you know why? Because it rips families apart. And that's what we need to realize is that you know what? We married that person for better or for worse. In sickness and in health, you know, like those marriage vows that you took. You know, you kind of made a covenant before God and you said you're gonna like honor those. How many of you know that if you're married to someone there's going to be some days where that person their attitude is going to be ugly towards you i know i'm not going to get a whole bunch of amens because some of you are sitting next to your spouse and you don't want to say an amen on that but there are going to be times where that where your spouse you know you're sitting there and be like i don't i love you but i don't like you right now you need to change your attitude and it's going to be one of those situations but the thing is is that you have in that moment you have a moment to sit there and, and rebel back or you say, you know what, I am going to, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to sit there and love them no matter what. No matter, no matter how ugly they're being towards you or anything else, you're going to love them. You need to make that decision no matter what. That's the reason why nowadays you don't see marriages lasting for you know, 50, 60, 70 years anymore. Because everybody thinks it's an option to get out of a marriage. But the Bible says, you know, when we take those vows, and, and what Scripture says is that we're supposed to love that person no matter what. It's always the right time to seek the Lord, to pray and seek Him, no matter what life throws at you. No matter what happens in our life, no matter what we think is, you know, those moments we, we need to seek Him, we need to go after Him no matter what. And in case you didn't realize, in those seven, those seven times that we need to seek the Lord, that's pretty much all the time. That we need to pray without ceasing, like the Bible says. That we need to seek Him uh, continually. Why? Because He has our best intentions in mind. And so many times we're told by the world, especially when you're younger, when you're a teenager, that going to church, doing all those things, that's stupid. That You don't need to do that. You just need to do whatever feels good. You need to do whatever you want to do. That is the worst thing that you could ever do. And I speak as a, you know, as a former teenager that rebelled a lot against their parents. Actually, I was, th- I was telling some of, um, you know, some of those la- uh, last night when we were at the, you know, the derby. And here's one of the things. Everything that I did as a teenager was to rebel against my parents. Were my parents horrible people? No, they were very loving people. But the thing is, is that I rebelled against them. I did everything that they told me not to do. Now, he had the polar opposite of me, which is my wife, who listened to her parents, and she was greatly blessed you know, because of it. You know, not having, you know, uh, she went to college, but yet, you know, everything was paid for, and, you know, everything, you know, because she learned from her, you know, from her parents. And, I mean, ultimately, she got blessed with me, so, I mean, that, you're not supposed to laugh at that one, you're supposed to give me an amen. But that's the thing is, is that instead of rebelling, follow what our parents, you know, have for us. Why? Because the Bible, for one thing, says, honor thy, uh, thy mother and thy father, so your days can be long. And how many of you know that there's a lot of kids out there, because they're not honoring their parents, that their days ain't going to be long? Either because God takes them out or their parents take them out, one of the two, because they got attitude issues. We need to seek the Lord always. That's an essential thing that we need to realize, is that we need to pray and seek the Lord no matter what happens. Why? Because he's there for us. He says that when you seek me, you shall find me. And he will abundantly pardon you. He's going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen?